Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. Dog will hunt. Welcome to The Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is the podcast where we talk about the 80s production company Canon Films and all of their films. And today we have a fantastic special guest uh, from the band Uniform, uh, my good buddy Michael Burdan. Michael, how you doing? Hacked up for barbecue, Jeff. Hacked up for barbecue. <laughs> I am so... <laughs> Bernad, thank you for making our first music reference. Uh, I appreciate... <laughs> oh, yeah. You threw in a mortician reference to some extent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Uh, yeah, and I also... I appreciate that as an answer versus the usual answers of how you do it nowadays, which is usually shitty, uh, is the answer for all of us. Uh, but kind thank you of. for coming I mean, here. Well, yeah. yeah. Are, how are you? How are you actually feeling, Bernard? How are you? How actually am I feeling? actually feeling? <laughs> I, you know, I, I still feel bad saying this. Well, I felt bad saying this early on. Now I kind of feel less bad. I'm okay. I'm like, I get why people <laughs> are upset. Things are terrifying. People are dying. Uh, you know, we're, uh, you know, facing, you know, destitution and depression. Um, it, uh, everybody's out of work, yada yada, uh, and it's like that side is very bad. The side where like I sit at home and like read the Dark Tower and like <laughs> watch whatever I want, um, and like hang out with like my partner and my dog, and I'm like not stuck in a van or a random hotel room, is like ki- kind of tight. Um, yeah, like, it's yeah. it's one of the things that has bonded us over the years is like <laughs> there are definite parts of this situation that are our preferred day to day anyways. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, like, I feel for everyone. I'm just um, it's the perfect time to watch a bunch of candid films. It's really it's perfect. Dude, yeah, I mean, I just like watched like Messenger of Death the other day and that would have never happened if no. I like. I uh, like on like a regular good day. Um, and yeah, like understood if like everybody's like missing their friends. Uh, I miss my friends too, but like I like them a lot more when I don't have to be around them. So <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Now, Bernadette, I just wanted to throw in before we really get into today's movie, uh, in some ways, at least on my end, there's a little spit that you are a part of to me, why this podcast, The Canon Canon, kind of exists. and Interesting. Uh, yes. The reason why is, even when we lived in the same state, we used to live, or in the same city, we used to live in New York together, uh, still partly because of our personalities, we still would see each other randomly. Not as much mm-hmm. as the heady, scarier days of early Brooklyn rock uh, in the early 2000s, (laughs) when things were a little bit sketchier for everyone. But whenever we get to see each other is when I get to have some of the few kind of deep conversations about uh, exploitation in horror films, but also coming from the same viewpoint of a punk who is reckoning 
with uh, uh, the elements of it that especially now don't sit as well with us and mm-hmm. how it kind of lives in our day to day. Uh, I feel like we've had many conversations of, oh, I didn't have any issues with this and this before. Now I have to find the new way to look at it now that we live in uh, Trump America and we are both uh, people who have worked on ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so to me, that is you know, one of the points of this podcast is to kind of rewatch these things with a fun eye, but also with this eye of like, I I, I get it worlds like i get that this is some fucked up shit Um, totally totally and and weeding through what is what level of that is bullshit on my end that i'm just trying to justify something that i enjoy on this weird base level animal instinct uh and in this base level fuck you society instinct and how much of it is me actually appreciating in a quote-unquote transgressive way which can also be a covering for i'm a monster uh but mm-hmm. i've always appreciated these conversations and this is one of the reasons i wanted to have you on this podcast um that's all <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, since I saw that you were starting this podcast, I'd been kind of like doing this whole like waiting with bated breath for you to like <laughs> hopefully ask me. And I'm glad you asked me when you did, because like, you know, otherwise I was going to pass out soon. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, man, you know, it's uh, we've known each other for a long time through a uh, through a level, uh, a number of different uh different societal and uh and uh just kind of like interest levels uh you yes. know uh be it like you know punk world and uh us and our uh kind of uh you were never that sketchy you were always a uh a, a i was always on the being. outskirts of all of you being yes not yes, as you, much you, of you, human beings in, in you, brooklyn you, you you were and it's like and and dear lord how i always admired that because i was just like i was like <laughs> well thank you. i was like this, i was like this guy's like nice and funny and smart and like frank all of this is a setup for Burdan to gush on to me so i hope you can yeah. deal with that <laughs> yeah you know and then like we're also the people who would run into each other at like a bill lustig's like curated screening like as we're like just kind of like wandering around by ourselves at like anthology you know yeah um you were there when i saw rolling thunder and it changed my life truly truly uh special special movie there um yes and And, uh, one day frank we might have to do like a sidetracked episode into rolling thunder um, oh yeah it's, no i'm totally down for that it's such an important film to me and to the world right Uh, i mean Learn to love the rope, dude. I mean, you I know? don't have it tattooed on me for nothing. <laughs> oh, I love... I did not know you had that tattooed on you. I I, do, I have a giant uh, full arm learn to love the rope that our good friend Miles uh, did. Uh, oh, so, God, yeah, that's how God bless committed I am to it. Um, I love that. Yeah. So, but we, yeah. so we but, have a deep history here. Um, yeah. And, uh, like, when it comes down to the, like challenging yourself like dude okay watching uh you know death wish three in the (laughs) 90s um and and kind of chuckling versus watching death wish three in 2005 and you know also chuckling but like kind of like identifying with this like general like malaise and dark like like dark undertones Mm -hmm. versus 
watching Death Wish 3 in 2020 when you're like, Michael Winner is a monster. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. and, <laughs> yep. and we have all, talked about it a fair amount. Michael Winner just yeah, owning yeah. a monster. And we'll continue to. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, tr- truly like horrible person, <laughs> and uh, you know, the, and like the, the the like not even subtext is just like you know yeah. like uh, like oh, I'm in like East New York, and uh, you know these uh, like these th- these kids, these gangs, these like not white people uh, yes. are are um, you know are just like ruining everything like and they're they're killing everybody. i guess we're gonna kill them right back and we're gonna kill them a lot you know um yes it, it it gives you a lot of pause when that's the confusing part of being i think who we are and again why we talk about all this stuff you know it's like i bought a death wish long sleeve shirt and still was like what am i doing in 2020 oh. buying a death wish long sleeve t-shirt totally but what are you gonna do you know i mean that's part of uh, it being a human being is kind of being this kind of multifaceted uh being able to hold two ideas in your head at the same time and we and and hopefully kind of weeding through what is the bullshit of it um yeah i mean totally. off of that uh so to start to get into this a little bit more like so obviously Film has been a big part of your life for a long time. Like, do you, when you were growing up, because that's usually where we start, is what was your relationship with the video store and Canon Films, basically, Verdan? Oh, damn. Um, Well, my first movie was Phantasm. My father showed me Phantasm uh, when I was four years old. (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know he he uh he like he was watching it and he wasn't about to turn it off and I wasn't about to tell him to you know right. uh, it, and it was his it was his turn to watch me uh you know god uh god rest his soul that changed my uh entire life from uh from that point on and uh you know there was a video store on the top of my street and I would you know walk up there and just look at like the cover, like, like the clamshell covers, you know, right. uh, yeah. like I wasn't, you know, I, I lived with my mom and she wasn't about to like, let me rent Witchboard, but I could, <laughs> but I could look at it, you know? Right. Um, and so, you know, as time, um, time went on, I did wind up being able to kind of like convince my mother to let me, you know, rent things that didn't have like such egregious covers, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, she didn't want me renting R rated things, but like I could like, you know, sneak like a life force in there some, at some points because like not an offensive look, cover, not an offensive cover, quite the movie. Uh, quite not, the movie. can't wait to get to it. I could do that. Um, you know, uh, the ninja movies I could, I could generally kind of do cause like it wasn't like, horror looking um you know so that like that was kind of it and i think you know just being kind of like a child of like the 80s and um and early 90s i didn't know that these movies sucked um sure like they like they just seemed like fucking cool movies i i was taken to see masters of the universe uh, multiple <laughs> times I saw a Wait Skeletor a second, multiple times yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah I mean like me and my little brother like fucking 
loved Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Like, loved that shit. And Skeletor at the end with the whole, like, fucking, you know, I'll be back coming up from the uh, from the ooze, you know. Uh, it was. That, that, that that really uh that that really impacted me at um you know it um it kind of gave me the chills and you know what like it kind of bums me out still that skeletor has never come back but that's all yeah. right but uh, you, you know like <laughs> you're you're a kid you don't know this shit sucks um right. i've i've watched it within the past few years and like it Turns out it's bad. Um, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I, I, I I am surprised. I was watching it like in a hotel, um, you know, at like fucking like four in the morning after a show. Like just like oh, this is going to be a great way to wind down. And like you know, it really was not. Um, yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you did you make the terrible mistake which i have done of just like kind of telling everyone like oh you haven't seen this like we should watch it it's actually pretty good and then you're like uh-oh i fucked up no 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 okay good. Uh, yeah i i mean fortunately enough with me and my bandmates you know like we're all like you know they're all in their mid-30s like i'm i'm just around 40 and like when when we get back to a hotel, we're not trying to talk to each other. And yes. so that's the smartest you know, move of being like in a touring band in when you're older. Cause at least oh, for me, great. I had that whole like all for one, one for all. We need to always be together and talking in touring too much. Uh, which would lead to often me and our singer Jay eating alone like an old married couple at a Thai restaurant in the middle of Nebraska. With nothing to say to each other, anyways. Because um, what else right. is there yep. to say? Yeah, that's touring in a nutshell for people who don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, totally. You're like I'm spending six months out of my year, like glued to these people who, right. like, they are like siblings. But much like siblings, you don't always like them, and they don't always <laughs> you don't always agree with them. They don't yeah. always like you, um, and. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm not gonna try to like impart my uh, my love of like something that I know is objectively like terrible onto mm-hmm. people who like are just trying to wind down after uh, after the evening. I'm not gonna like argue with you about like you know the finer points of like whatever that fucking schnarf looking. Thing that snarf, yes, that is true. Yeah, you, you know exactly what I'm talking. About. They're just going yes. to fucking bed. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and so, but um, yeah, man, which is the know, opposite uh, of what we're doing with this podcast. I, I I realize that we're trying to force the world into seeing how we see these things, but that's that's ab- the power of the podcast. Oh, totally. I actually like. So we have like a. The drummer that we're um, uh, in our band, uh, he's been with us for about two years or so, but we didn't know each other super, super well before mm-hmm. he wound up joining. So the first night um, that we ever rehearsed together, he was um, he was uh, doing some fill-in work, uh, some session work and fill-in work for a tour. And we stayed at me and you are buddy Josh Anzano's place uh, uh, in yes. LA. And I was just feeling this guy out. 
so I put on humanoids from the deep because I knew that this guy, <laughs> like this like he I knew that he like liked movies. Uh, you know, he's like the kind of person who like talks about, um, you know, Mr. Mom a lot. And like, it's like, oh, you know, he likes quirky 80s movies. That's <laughs> sure. always kind of segues into like these other things. And uh, turns out that no, Mike Sharp, our drummer, just really likes you know, fucking three men and a baby. He does not want to watch <laughs> humanoids from the deep, um, <laughs> which I can respect. I can respect. It's a good movie. I, uh. I mean, I can too, uh, kind of, but like, you know, like I'm a, I'm a couple years older than, than him. Yeah. And like, that's just the movies that my mom watched and like sure. <laughs> love, I love, like I love my mom, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really need to see sleepless in Seattle. Like, Yes, that is definitely yeah. actually a real like because Frank, you're like just a couple years younger than I am, I think, but not by yeah. much. There's mm-hmm. there are certain movies that would show up a lot when, especially when I was teaching sketch a lot, that I would be like, oh, these younger people have a reverence for this that I don't have. And one that always comes up in that realm is like the movie The Sandlot. Yeah, it, like is that a movie you give a fuck about? <laughs> That was yeah. That was a music uh, movie kind of of uh, you had to be of a certain age, I think, because yeah. I was also playing. I was like maybe ten when it came out, and I was playing baseball, right? And I was you know big into baseball, so of course that movie was like it's it's a Stand By Me ripoff, right? You know for kids, mm-hmm. but it definitely was like one of those movies being like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. When I see people wearing "You're Killing Me" small shirts, all I can think is like, this is a cultural thing I missed because of age, and it's it is a lot like yeah. punk and hardcore, where like if you got into it in like '94, you might like an entire different batch of bands than if you got into it in '95 or '96. Um, yeah, I, I also like I don't have the reverence for it like some of the people uh, of like of my age like I'm not going to be buying a you're killing me small shirt. That's the thing. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I I'll judge it by going through a Target and being like, yeah. "What are the weird exactly. pop culture shirts?" I'll be like, "Really?" Like, you care th- I mean, <laughs> even to some extent, I rewatched Galaxy Quest the other day and I like Galaxy Quest enough, but it has like this reverence that I think is like a couple years below me, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. no, I love Galaxy Quest. Like, I like it, but the fact that there's even a documentary on it, and I was like, I like no, Sam I Rockwell love it. a lot, and I, that is the thing. Like, and and it's fun weeding through what are the movies that like, yeah, are based off of. Like you mentioned, Mr. Mom, Burdan. Like I was just having a long text conversation about Mr. Mom with two of my friends, and part of it is. Because it happened to be, beyond that I love Michael Keaton, one of the mm-hmm. movies that they used to sell in a promotion at McDonald's. Yeah, I remember there, this, there were, yes. Yeah, there was, you could either buy Hoosiers, Mr. Mom, <laughs> and maybe batteries not included. Yeah. It was like five bucks if you bought the Happy Meal or something. Um, so with that, which one would you each pick? Uh, Mr. Mom still. Uh, watched cool. it recently. Legitimately funny. Um, and also, I, maybe, I'm not going to answer for Frank, we both are kind of Mr. Momming it right now, so that's also yeah. part of it. Frank, well, who would you pick? I would, yeah, it would either be that or uh, Batteries Not Included, but um, I remember Batteries Not Included really bumming me out as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, definitely, I mean, I'm a big Michael Keaton fan, Oof, so the best. probably Mr. Mom. Yeah. You, Bernan? Yeah. Mr. Mom's objectively the best movie out of all of those. I'd probably do right. Batteries Not Included just 
just for the hell of it. Um, Which was another like... weird promotion that I remember, because I'm pretty sure they did a weird deal where there were cheaper screenings during the afternoon, and they hadn't mm-hmm. done that before for that movie. And I think it was they were just trying to drum up like a young kid audience. Um, yeah. Where it was like half price. It was like one of those, like in retrospect, I was like, oh, that was a weird marketing manipulative thing they were doing to us. They were throwing all kinds of shit at us, like kind of like post like short circuit ET. Like yes. you have that. You have like all like uh, like you have like the nightmare that was Mac and me. Oh, um, Mac and me. Yes, and, <laughs> we just talked about and, it our last episode, I think. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean that that that's a movie that like should come up in a show like this. Yeah, um, yeah. Like th- what a cynical creation that. <laughs> That that horrible movie is. Yes, I agree. Um, I yeah. could actually, though, use this uh, little conversation as a segue into the movie we're actually talking about today because of Hoosiers. So Ooh. the movie we're going to talk about with you, Berdan, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. I'm excited to get into it because I think also all three of us, and this might be the first time in one of these conversations, might have different levels of how much we enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and I think it's going to lead to a fun, spirited discussion because I think, and spoiler, like I think Berdan, you might be higher, I might be right in the middle, and we might find that our good friend Frankie Boy over here is much lower on the yeah. liking scale of this movie. Um, Interesting. Frank, do we have any uh, TCM2 facts? Uh, we sure do. Is directed by Toby Poltergeist, but maybe didn't direct Poltergeist Hooper. <laughs> uh, written by L.M. Kit Carson, who also co-wrote Paris, Texas with Sham Shepard. Uh, which Sham Shepard? S- Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. Which Sham. also Sh- by the Sam Shepard. That's a that's a Sam Shepard warm up exercise, <laughs> acting warm up exercise. Sam Shepard. Sam, Sam Shepard. Toy boat. Uh, who was also married to Karen Black. Crazy. So. I, Interesting. Yeah. That I not to not to already put a, a a quick stop on it, but like that to me is the most interesting credit in this movie. Like anytime there's a crazy scene in this movie, all I could think was Paris, Texas. Like a completely like yeah mind blowing <laughs> beautiful movie. Yes. And then you're like, oh, and also Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Um, yeah. It's just <laughs> so intriguing to me, and I'm sure I will throughout just every once in a while just say Paris, Texas, just to remind us yep. that's who wrote it, but go on. <laughs> the same guy. Yep. So it was released August 22nd, 1986 with a $4.7 million budget. It opened in fifth place with almost $3 million and total $8 million worldwide. So it did make a little bit of money back. Yep. Um, yeah, so these were the top 10 films of 1986. We've gone over this before, hmm. but just to kind of give you a sense, uh, top... Uh, number one, Top Gun. Two, Crocodile Dundee. Three, Karate Kid Part Two. Four, Back to School. Five, Aliens. Six, The Color Purple. Seven, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Eight, Ruthless People. Nine, Out of Africa. Ten, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So, and one hundred and seven, this... Avenging Force. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and where did this land? At eighty-seven. Oh. It was beat by the uh, by Blue Velvet. Another. Yeah, uh, Dennis Hopper movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haunted Honeymoon. Oh shit! With Dom DeLuise. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah, that movie's wonderful. Kiss of the Spider Woman, which we mentioned last time. Yeah, Oscar uh, winner or, that neither of us can really remember. 
Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, Care Bears movie two, a new generation. Care Bears stare. Got it. <laughs> yep. yep. But this movie beat a fellow canon film, A Runaway Train. Wow. Fuck that. Wow. Yep. That's kind of upsetting almost. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because yeah. as we've talked about, a runaway, like Runaway Train is like a quote unquote good movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, Runaway Train's like a film, you know? Like, yes. like, that, like this is yeah. not a film, but Runaway Train is a film. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. that's the weird part. <laughs> yeah, it also beat the Best of Times, Quicksilver, and Maximum Overdrive. Oh wow! I just rewatched oh. the Best of Times recently. Um, depressing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kurt Russell. I, it's just I'm in a mode of like anything with Kurt Russell that I like haven't seen or have seen. Basically, any Kurt Russell movie, oh, yeah. I'll be like, all right, I guess I'll throw it on. Um, kind of depressing. I'm there with you. Yeah. I mean, the guy's the best. Um, so, yeah, apparently. So Toby Hooper didn't want to direct this, right? Is what I think I know. Uh, he just wanted to produce it. Yeah. And then but then he says he couldn't find anyone to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, right. It was for that budget. They couldn't find anybody to take that kind of uh, directing fee through <laughs> low directing fee. I kept picturing how funny conversations between Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus must have been with Toby Hooper, <laughs> like because they are so full of life. And yeah. Toby Hooper, <laughs> mostly, I know from any like documentary on horror, is just like, I don't know. And then I picked up a chainsaw. Like, he's just so <laughs> low-key. And just picturing them just yelling at him and the fact that they did not really like this movie might be the first one we've yes. read where they didn't like it. It's just crazy. Yeah, they. Th- th- I thought that they like did not get along uh, with, uh, with 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 Toby Hooper. Um, I think they didn't because they th- wanted a horror film. Yes, and he and gave them a black comedy. Uh, <sighs> yes, he did. Yeah, and so that's the thing. Like he kept like I think the whole time this is like one of the first one like first ones we've encountered. I think Frank that it sounds like it got out of their hands maybe too much. Um, oh yeah, and and they're bummed on that. I mean, like they, like they're generally seem to be affable. We love film, but apparently Toby Hooper broke them on this one a little bit, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, and I get it because it's not a horror film, really. No, <laughs> no, no. It's it's. I'm mean, not to kind of show my cards a little too soon, but I feel like this is kind of like the Gremlins two. Uh, you know, uh, Return of the Living Dead yeah. type yes, of, very you know, so. tongue-in-cheek, yes. uh, campy, fun type of gore fest. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's what it wants to be, but I feel like it's not to the same level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel like had they gotten the horror movie that they wanted, that this could have very well, like this could have very well tumbled and we might not be talking about it at all. You know, like look at, right. Um, oh yeah. Like look at TCM three, look at, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Matthew McConaughey one, like those movies, like the Vigo, uh, Mor- uh, Mortensen movie I thought was fantastic. Um, right. And, uh, the, yeah, yeah. The, like the Reese, uh, Witherspoon, Matthew McConaughey one, like, it you know it it got a lot of shit, but like I you know it, it was cool for like a 
3 a.m. on Showtime uh, type thing. (laughs) They're they're fine, but it doesn't really occupy like any worthwhile cultural space other than like, hey, do you know these movies aren't as bad as you heard they were? Where yeah. It's yeah. not like, like it's right. not the Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Three is not like to me, say Psycho Two, where like as when I was a kid I was like that's ah, fine, and then recently I've been like oh I think I actually might think Psycho Two is a pretty great movie. Um, it's awesome, yeah, and like better than everyone thinks it is versus like Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Three, and I kept thinking about it during it. Isn't it's just fine? Like there's a couple. It's a little bit more touching on like the venial aspects of the first one, but ultimately mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's just okay. Like you watch and you're like, that wasn't bad. Uh, this, the, the nails through the hand were fine. It's not like TCM two where you're just like, Whoa, like this is totally. a thing. Like this is a movie, whether I like it or not, this is like oh, yeah. a beast of its own, uh, which I yeah. appreciate so much. Um, and you come from making like this is yeah it's like fucking 15 years after the original but the original is like one of the darkest pieces of genre oh, yeah. cinema that yeah. like i mean i people have tried to kind of get close to that and like um you can't cross the line into like you you can't get like darker than that without just kind of like turning into fucking like George Buckery, like fucking mm-hmm. transgressive dork, you know? Yeah. Um, like you go from fucking like high art uh, to fucking loser real fast. Yeah. And, yes. um, and you know, TCM just, it, it does, it is one of the most effective movies that I think was ever created. So to take that. Oh yeah. And then be like, huh, wait, why is, why is the cover of the sequel like it kind of looks like the cover of the breakfast club like that's <laughs> yeah that's yep. strange i wonder what's i wonder what's in here uh yeah you know it really fucks with you which by the way i would put that cover on like one we've talked before we you're mentioning the clamshells for some reason much like new year's evil for some reason tapped into something in me the box when i was a kid the mm-hmm. the the cover made me always feel slightly nauseous, which is f- interesting for it being a funny cover, like in a joke yeah. parody cover. Yes. But I think part of it, and I'll get into a lot throughout this, was a gut reaction to Bill Mosley as Chop Top. It just looked nauseating to me, uh-huh. um, which is also my general feelings on Bill Mosley in this movie, and I'll continue <laughs> with that later. But uh, at the same time, Maybe one of the top five, like, promotion things I wish I had seen in the time is the idea of that billboard on, like, the Sunset Strip. Like, hearing about, (laughs) like, it just picturing driving down and seeing a giant cutout. It's the same. It's on the same level, and it's too canon as seeing the the Cobra uh, giant billboard where I'm like, this is a time I wish I lived it. Like, you know, like, Definitely. even though I did live in it, but I was eight, like 10, whatever the fuck it was, you know? Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's such an interesting, it's, it is a fucking fun idea. Like that was one of the first boxes I remember is that breakfast club, but it also does set a tone that you're like, what is this fucking movie? <laughs> yeah. Big time. And I think that's also, and we'll 
get into as we kind of go through parts of it. But like, I agree with you, Bernadette, like, you know, TCM to me is, it's almost like cliche to say, I was like, but it is like, one of my favorite movies, like, it's just this beautiful piece of art. And it, it and yeah. I love what you said, like that, it's like, it does. It's like the movie that you walk the line, and step up to the line. And when if you crossed over, it would become that kind of trash world that we can traffic in with horror and exploitation as well. Because it's totally, not yep. handled with a kind of deft touch and with this kind of beauty that, you know, and a political kind of subtext that's in there. Like I, I you know, I've probably brought it up before, but I stand behind that documentary, The American Nightmare, about 70s into early 80s uh, horror. Uh, that mm-hmm. was on IFC originally. I think it's one of the best horror documentaries ever. Um, I've never seen uh, it. Oh, man. I'm going to send you a link as soon as you... It basically just goes through... Uh, uh, it must have been Canadian because Godspeed, You Black Emperor, is some of the soundtrack. Um, Interesting. From, <laughs> yeah. the, from the EP, from the Slow Riot for New Canada. But uh, they'll, they basically go through that. Yeah, that was about the gas shortage, like were elements of it. And then they talk about the consumerism of uh like it was the first time i ever in like one place saw oh here's all the bullshit cultural theory that i stand behind with dawn of the dead uh Mm. last house on the left being a fucking response to vietnam um and is also the first place and i think it applies to this movie as well the first place i was introduced to carol clover who wrote the book men women and chainsaws which is about one of the best, like it's the, the feminist kind of analyzation of horror and the rape revenge films um, and is the beginning of the final girl as a term. Um, uh, and she was she gets interviewed on that. That was one of the first places where I was like, oh, what's this book? Um, but I get I think I, I wa- will talk about it, but I, I would love Carol Clover's insight into a lot of scenes in this movie in TCM. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. But the the stuff that's handled so deftly, and this ends up being some of my problems with TCM too. That's handled so kind of deftly in uh, and well in TCM. Like because it's a black comedy, there are certain parts where I was like, I've seen this movie a bunch, and I'm still not sure I get the joke. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> like I still am not positive. I know what Toby Hooper was going for, and or the screenwriter in some sections of it, um, where I'm like, this is a there's there's something that I could write like a graduate thesis on for these scenes, but I'm still not sure what my thesis would be just yet. Uh, and maybe we'll get to some of that. Uh, yeah, bu- some Bubba's got a girlfriend. Bubba's got a girlfriend. Yeah. That whole section is yes, 100 percent is real what fucking I would weird. Love to, it's real weird, and that's the thing oh, yeah. that I think that's part of it. And that's also, and we'll start to get into is like what I was wondering is like the reaction that I had to it and Frank had to it and that you Berdan had to it is almost sometimes up to the interpretation because some of this stuff is left so open where like the Bubba's got a girlfriend sections are mm. kind of confusing of what they're going for. Um, yeah. Uh, and even in a recent documentary I just watched, I watched that actress who plays stretch talk about how that whole section, a lot of people say it's anti-feminist, but she thinks it's feminist actually. And I was like, okay, that's where I wonder what Carol Clover's reaction would be. Would this fit into the same realm as a Ms. 45 or an I spit on your grave, like rape revenge as uh, actual true feminism is her theory. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm not the one to fucking answer that. I don't know. So it kind of just leaves me Bubba as a girlfriend is confusing. And 
I hate Bill Mosley, but we'll get further into that. <laughs> interesting. It's so interesting to me. Oh my gosh! Cool. <laughs> I know. So I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing. <laughs> You're the first person yes. I've ever heard say that. Uh, yeah, I I like to be a garlock pain in the ass, break some bounds every now and then. Put it on the I list, it. Frank, of things that are going to get our, you know, small group angry at us. <laughs> uh, us complaining about Star Wars. We haven't Wars. lost them already with uh, yeah. all the shit we've talked about, beloved movies. You talk about Bill Mosley. I'll talk about Fugazi. Don't worry about it. We're good. Oh, please. I'll go off. On, man, I only recently had a coming to Jesus moment of like, maybe I finally don't like Fugazi. Um, <laughs> maybe there's not room in my life for Fugazi anymore. And do I need to get get rid of these records uh it was really like dark moment in this pandemic um wow uh, yeah it was weird but let's get into the movie uh yes so this is an mgm one again frank uh yeah with a great canon logo we just always have to start it off by saying that's beautiful canon oh, logo. that's the best one the metallic one with the too many dings i uh, love that canon logo um also, uh, I forgot, uh, to, it, because it's what would be the starting point, do love the tagline. Uh, after a decade of silence, the buzz is back. Great. <laughs> uh, three Zs. So ridiculous. It should be the saw is back, but whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it kind of lives in the same world as the Phantasm 2 sort of taglines. Like, after 10 years, the secret of Paragord Cemetery. I've been remained locked. Like, all the shit that I love. Um, because the marketing is perfect. We talked about that fucking cover. Like, the marketing is interesting. They, I just yeah. saw recently the original cover of what he wanted it to be. And it was just Leatherface cutting through a screen. Kind of like the howling. And that's not what this movie is, you know? No. Like, I, I, I guess I'm going to just start on my just a little tiny bit of, I guess my biggest, my overall thing with this is I think I might like the first half better than the second half, which is actually the opposite of how I look at TCM, the first one. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of with that too. It's just an, uh, once it becomes truly what I guess the movie kind of completely is, I just start to lose it. And, you know, again, like Frank texted me during watch this was like, I think I might hate this. Like this is feel like a slog. And again, I was blaming it on Bill Mosley. Cause I think it was right when chop top showed up, but just the first half, I think pr- gives a bit more of the promise of what this movie is. Yes. Um, mm. uh, and the, and I don't know of what could be kind of interesting in it. And then it's just once it actually gets to the amusement park and where they live, not to jump ahead, but it's just like it starts to feel a little sluggish. Um, Very. Uh, yeah, it repeats itself a lot, you know, um, at, at that point. And yeah, I get pretty bored pretty quick. Yeah, Berdan, what about this movie, uh, if you want to go ahead and get into it as far as like, uh, what are the elements that you maybe think don't work or what are the elements that you think work, whichever one you want to start with, but like, what is it that stands out to you about this movie, good or bad? You know, for you? straight up fucking lefty, right? So you have... Mm-hmm. So you have Lefty in the beginning as as someone who's like hunting the Sawyers, who's like kind of like, you know, he's related to Sally and Franklin. Um, he's aware of this this myth. And I guess I guess according to like 
what's like said in the beginning, like Sally wound up, wound up dying at some point. Um, right. So which after I mean, she had jumped through a window from what she had called hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, but, I know like that, that yeah. opening scroll, like slot, like uh, scroll is, is the lesser John Larroquette opening scroll. Um, yeah, it's just a little bit of just kind of word salad. Also hacked up for barbecue. Totally. <laughs> it's like, oh, was that what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the, the cool thing with that is like, I think that like that's where like you know the tongue starts to get really planted in the cheek right off the bat after like right. the John Larroquette thing is so fucking like heavy and so earnest, and this like yes. right off the bat is like. You know, um, yes. even so, the fact that it's in quotes, but it's not quoted to anyone. Yeah, right. Like just um, an interesting uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. But but anyway, so like Lefty coming from like, you know, he like he's got this this mission and it seems like he really wanted like this kind of like this confrontation with the Sawyers uh, and like seemed like he wanted like maybe like the idea of like justice to mm-hmm. once he gets to the amusement park and sees what like the subterranean is like, he like looks around and like, he's just like, nah, this is fucked. I, I don't care if I run into them. Uh, I just want to like, I just want to destroy this place. And he's also right. like, he's, he starts talking about God, like all of a sudden. In yeah. He's very, very religious. Intense. Yeah. He's not fucking religious until like he, like until he like prays to God, like before he goes like running into the fucking, the amusement park, you know, um, except for that one moment when he looks at his hands after stretch leaves. Yeah. Right. And he says something like, do you remember what he says there, Frank? He's like, Oh Lord, Give me the strength. Yeah, he says, uh, I wrote it down. Hold on. Um, I ain't got no fear, Lord. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love that, that line, too. <laughs> that's that, 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 that's right. And he says something similar to, to that to stretch in the hotel room as well. Right. Um, and it's like peppered yeah. in. It's not until it becomes as strong as it is at the end. You don't yeah. really get it completely. Totally. Right. Yeah. You're not getting any Carrie's mom vibes. Yes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, he's like this, like, fucking, like, born again zealot. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, I'm not even really cheering for you anymore. Um, yeah. Like, you're, like you're, you're, you're now just, like, kind of in the way. You're, like, tearing down the fucking place. Like, you don't give a shit that, like, that, like, stretch has, like, fallen through this, like, this trap door and, like, right. because of you is, like, completely <laughs> fucked. Like, you don't care about getting her out. You're just, no. like... I, I I mean, I don't know. And so like, Which is I, kind I, of awesome. Yeah, like, it, it is. It's awesome because if we want to get way too intellectual, but probably what I'm guessing, again, Toby Hooper's, like, ideas get a little bit mushy, and that's maybe the problem versus the first one to me. But it, like... Is Lefty a commentary on like that kind of, and you could also speak to this, Frank, of growing up in Texas, but that like Texas, like pro-justice, like very into God, but ultimately is kind of a weakling, like, you know, is kind of all bullshit. Like he kind of, he starts off as being like, oh, here comes that fucking Texas Ranger and he's got the kind of busted Mm. out chest. And then by the time Stretch talks to him, he's a sunken man. Like he's clearly yeah, like totally. beaten down. And 
what you're saying there, Berdan, like all of his words are kind of bullshit. Like he did set up fucking stretch. He said that he would be there and he wasn't. And then he still let her get fucked up all yeah. to not. He spends a lot of time destroying their place versus actually going for them, which totally. is yeah. that kind of bullshit of religion. As, like that aspect of that, that Southern kind of to me. That that kind of southern like uh, religion by the book almost like of just like I'm into Jesus because I say I'm into Jesus, yep, like, sort of and, thing. Right. Well, without practicing anything that uh, Jesus would have the, said, the fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so and so much like along like the hypo- the hypocrisy lines, like you know when you take it to this whole Christian idea of forgiveness, like, don't worry, I'm going to like do it like, like I fucked up. I'm going to do it right this time. I fucked up. I'm going to do it right this time. You know, like lefty gets a number of chances to like not be an asshole, but like even at the end where he's like, you know, I'm going in to save this woman who I fucked over. Um, he goes, yeah, never mind. You know, like, yeah, (laughs) like, (laughs) I mean, like he's, he's a jerk off, but yeah, and if he was played by anyone other than who he was played by the um, the immortal Dennis Hopper and yeah. the like with if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for the chainsaw store um, yes. and, oh, yeah. and, uh, uh, and and like everything that happens there, which, you know, is possibly like the best proto Twin Peaks moment there ever was. Um, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I love that scene. It's I oh, it's too. unbelievable. Like that that scene redeems, like it redeems him. It redeems the character because otherwise, I just think he's just fucking annoying and in the way. And the movie's just yeah. all about stretch, you know. Yeah, um, it is. Oh my aching banana! <laughs> yes, that line is great. What is the line again? What did he say? He goes, oh, my aching oh, banana. Oh, my aching banana. <laughs> yes. What a fucking lie. But also, like, that that moment feels like the odd tone that can sometimes, it does feel Twin Peaks. And it is the interesting part of, like, you know, Dennis Hopper's career at that point. Like, that year he had Hoosiers, Blue Velvet, and this come out. But also, kind yeah. of right before that, I think he was in a slump. Because there is a bit of, like, why is he in this movie? Did he want to work with Toby? Did he just need money? Um, yeah. You know, because, I mean, he's got a fucking up and down, like, life, just in general, which, as totally. you said, like, adds to the mystique of Lefty is, like, I don't think it would work with anyone but Hopper. Like, I mean, like, some of that shit, you're just, like, him screaming. Like, even though he was so ineffective of taking down their house like i also could watch him yelling for hours uh, yeah but imagine if he was fucking brian dennehy imagine brian dennehy as fucking <laughs> uh, as as lefty and it's That'd like be amazing it'd be cool, i would kind of like, like to see uh, that okay. variation um, yeah no but i think and but and i also like i do love that chainsaw him buying the chainsaws because it reminded me of recently and I have kind of a go back and forth relationship mentally with Joe Bob Briggs. Like I love him and he definitely is like, you know, kind of old man, uh, horror guy sometimes. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, everyone's just like a little too borderline, like libertarian. Then I'm like, oh, okay, man. Um, but I still do <laughs> love Joe Bob a lot, totally. but he was just talking recently and he was just like, I, he was either talking about that scene specifically or another chainsaw fight scene. And he was just like, Chainsaws are the worst weapons. He's like, you throw literally anything at the chain and it will get knocked off. 
<laughs> like he's like, there is no point. And even when Hopper like picks the big one and then picks the two small ones, watching him try to hold all three of them, I was like, yeah, they're also so crazily cumbersome. Like yes. oh, yeah. he doesn't look comfortable, but it's great. Slows like, them down. Yes, just like they're just heavy, ineffective weapons, but it's also fucking Chainsaw Massacre. Um, yeah. I also love, in relation to Lefty, that like, I kind of must have glazed over who he was trying to revenge. The fact that we find out, like, or, or reminded at least halfway through that he's uh, revenging Franklin, who is arguably the most annoying character in, t- in TCM1. Yes. I right. think is kind of beautiful because it's also like we've been watching this guy struggle with all this for s- the one person in TCM that I was, like, ready to die. Like, you know, the one person that you're just like, God, shut the fuck up, Franklin, which is what his character is. Um, but I kind of love that they made it the the most unlikable character was the one that he's revenging, like kind of forgetting about Sally, etc. Um, yes. Also that they moved the body from also they moved their whole house <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> into this amusement park where they just have skeletons as far as the eye can see, just an amusement park full of skeletons propped up as if it were like a uh, universal, um, you know, haunted Hollywood nights <laughs> right. type of thing. And then they, uh, the, the, the I thought that was funny that they just kind of had him there. And it's like, oh, so the bodies from the first movie, they just, I mean, they were using one as a puppet, but like, yes. <laughs> the, yes. they're just having Franklin there, just sitting there, just being like, yeah, let's move this body over here too. Look, man, How you move, they... you bring around furniture, you know, yeah. you're like a good piece. <laughs> I mean, hundreds of miles away, like, like hundreds. you know, like, like it is not close, uh, the locations between the, like the first and the second movie and like, and you yeah, know, from South to yeah East Texas. Yeah. It's like when you're on tour and you just think, yeah, we've got two shows in Texas and you're like, God damn it. I did not yeah, plan on these things so huge. far away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's a big difference between like, you know, like, oh, I've got a show in Austin and then I got a show in San Antonio to I've got a show in fucking El Paso and then I've got <laughs> another show in Houston, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, Houston. Never had a good show at Houston. Um, <laughs> but- I've, had, I've, I, I've had a couple, but I've also had a couple very bad ones. They're mostly bad. The, even when we were there with Death From Above, the only good part was we played in the small room next to Cradle of Filth and Arch Enemy. Uh, <laughs> so Interesting. I, as, soon as, as soon as we were done, I just walked across, like entered a door, and I was like, hi, Cradle of Filth. <laughs> like, I would never watch you otherwise. Um, uh, it's my birthplace. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Frank, just to, like, so how does this, like, because I feel like there is a lot of, in this one, even some more like in maybe confusing Toby Hooper writer things like where I was like, oh, are they are these scenes like commentaries on who is ruining Texas to me? Like, is it the yuppies coming right. in at the beginning or is it the locals who wrote it? Like whatever, like as a Texan, how do you feel about this movie? <laughs> I I actually got very nostalgic. The first half of the movie, <laughs> I got very nostalgic for home. And I, the Shiner beer is uh, in it, mm-hmm. and uh, I fucking miss. I mean, I could get, I can get Shiner beer here, but sure. man, uh, that was my favorite beer when I drank a lot. Um, right. <laughs> my beer of choice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I there were parts of it that I recognized, and the thing that really stood out to me was the Red River rivalry. Oh uh-huh. yeah, where 
when OU and Texas would uh, uh, play against each other, I went to school in Denton, Texas, or uh, uh, to college in Denton, Texas at the University of North Texas. So the OU people had to go through Denton to get to Dallas uh, for that game. And it was the fucking worst. So while I was watching that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is accurate to the kind of assholes who would drive down from uh, from um, uh, Oklahoma. Right. And you just have and then you have people coming up from Austin that were like huge football fans, too. And it's just like just the worst of the worst just coming together and just infecting the area of Dallas. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Just like being the worst fucking people ever. And I could give two shits about that game. Um <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was accurate, and then like, uh, man, I really wanted her ZZ Top shirt that she was she had sure. <laughs> so good at the, at the beginning. And like, she kind of also reminded me of my friend uh, Jackie Johnson. Uh, yeah. She kind of talks like her. If you know Natch Butte, the podcast, uh, one of my friends from back in Texas that I knew there and was in a, or is in LA. But um, there are elements of it that I'm like, oh yeah. But as far as like the commentary goes, it's pretty murky. Yeah. Well, because like mm-hmm. the beginning starts with those high school kids, I guess. Very, I mean, at the usual. I think that they were time. college. They were, yeah, according yeah. to Wikipedia, I think maybe high school. Uh, okay, <laughs> which is I, th- I thought they were. I thought they were college kids because they were like screaming hook 'em horns and shit. But two high school yeah. seniors, Buzz and Rick. oh, Rick the prick, so, uh, Rick the prick. But like them shooting the signs about like kind of like. The the old oh. history of Texas. See, that's what that's what bothered me. Being like, these signs would not be in North Texas or East <laughs> Texas, you know, Northeast Texas. These signs, it's it felt like even when he came, Dennis Hopper's character is talking to the the local uh, police guy. It felt like they just kind of were shoehorning in a bunch of Texas references. Right. Yeah, it's like remember the Alamo. Right. It's like nobody says that shit. <laughs> like, yeah. It's I would, I, I I'm. I'm willing to bet that uh, the original draft of this movie, they wanted the uh, the the last scene where it's at that amusement park. Yeah. I guarantee there was talks of that happening at the Alamo. That oh, yeah, sense. I bet. But but you know the problem. There's no, no basement. basement in the Alamo. <laughs> I just like, it reminded me of, uh, well, what, I was like wondering how Frank was feeling about it because I was like, is this like watching like punk in a movie? Like we had with New Year's Evil, where we're like, "I love this, but this is wrong." Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there were there are elements of it, yeah, that were that were wrong, but at the same time, there's a charm to it that, again, that first half, I was like loving it, and I right. was like feeling a little homesick and nostalgic, and I was like, "I like this style." Like, yeah, I was I was totally. I mean, I remember I loved this movie as a kid. Right. Um, I the first one fucked me up. I saw it when I was six. Uh, <laughs> Especially being from Texas, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It made a... Well, yeah, because then my uncle would talk about how it was based off of a real guy. And (laughs) then we start getting into all these, like... Because Texas had a few, like, weird fucking killers and shit. Yeah. Being like, yeah, I knew someone who, you know, their dog was hung up by this guy that this is based on and all this other uh, stuff. But, like, I remember loving this movie as a kid and then uh, seeing it now as an adult, uh, that that element there are certain elements where i'm like yeah that's not accurate but also it made me a little homesick sure mm-hmm. uh i think that was just like again it was like weeding through like like in the bubba's got a girlfriend kind of section like when he like is having you know essentially his erection in 
his erection being a chainsaw in the yes. ice bath, but it was full of maybe Shiner or Lone Star beer. And it's kind of then coming all over Stretch. Like, it was just unclear where I was like, wait, is this a sexual thing or a Texas thing or all of it? Um, no. Maybe just too much? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Berdan, what do you think about that scene? Oh, I think it's, uh, I think it's all sexual. And I think it's like, you know, it's one of those things when, you know, when I was a kid and like, well, when I, when I was a little kid, you know, and I saw this, I... I didn't even understand what it was. And then, you know, as time went on and like, you know, I got it. I thought it was like, you know, kind of like, ha ha funny. And then yesterday as I was watching it and as I was watching it like a few months ago, I'm kind of like, huh, man, you know, it, it's just women having to fucking say the right <laughs> things in order yeah. to like keep themselves safe around this around men but like and this is, and at this point it's like leatherface is almost posited as like a good guy you know yeah. um and it's like so yeah. so it takes this like weird turn where he's like oh he's not all that bad like he's going to like let lefty live if he if she like fucking you know talks dirty to him and lets him right. rub his chainsaw on like <laughs> uh, like right. on her I felt so yes. uncomfortable for the actor on that part it, it's yeah. fucking yeah it's so i think like I, and i don't necessarily think that that's what like fucking uh uh kick carson uh was thinking and that what that was what like toby hooper was necessarily thinking i think we were just dealing with a different part of like of, of history and like history yeah. in like you know in art and history in cinema and history in the written word where like and and just and, and in life where that kind of shit like kind of it, it flew you would never get that today and not just because like people are like uptight but because you, you have to actually think about what this means um right and it's like it's fucking gross like real yeah. <laughs> real gross um that being said you know uh i'd be lying to say that i didn't chuckle at it for years and that it's not effective so uh, it's yeah. dark <laughs> well that's the it weirdly it both it both works in the time period but especially now and especially as Older men are type. It's like it. It's it's what I think you say is like the language of like that's how you have to survive. It was like really hard to get through. Now, like it's just like yes. we, we we've 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 finally as a society come around to have enough of a spotlight that we should have had earlier uh, on mm. that. And 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 it, it you know I again that's where like I am. It's above my pay grade to some extent. And why I would love to hear someone like Carol Clover's like interpretation of that. Whereas like, you know, like even when I read her interpretation of I spit on your grave in Ms. 45, I still am like, oh, I get what you're saying. And I still don't really want to watch that. Like, you know, totally. uh, uh, same with like they call her one eye. Like, you know, like there's only so many yeah. times I really want to watch. They call her one eye. And that is once. Um, yes. But I also feel the same way about Last House on the Left. Like, I, 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 that's a movie that I just, I've never, like, I appreciate it so much for its point in time and what it does and did. But it's really, 
still a hard movie to watch ever since I first saw it, where I'm just like, I don't, I can appreciate it from afar. Uh, and, and in a different way than, like, recently, I was just, t- like, something about Basket Case came up, and I was just like, ugh, Basket Case just makes me feel gross. Uh, <laughs> but not in the, that way of, like, Last House on the Left, where it's more of just that, what you were talking about before, even, Berdan, that, that sometimes that fine line between, like, this is art, and then this just might be a scumbag making a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, especially New York, and especially Henneladder, to me. Oh, you know, uh, like Lustig himself lives in that world too, and I love him. Like Maniac is such a complicated movie for me to watch, um, mm-hmm. but I do love it. But I know also why I shouldn't to some extent. I, I mean, the, the, um, I think I think the difference being kind of Lustig knows the buttons that he's pushing, knows why yes. the things that he's um, that he's uh, you know uh, kind of. Uh, that, he, that he's pushing on will be effective, you know, yeah. um, where Helen Lager's like, uh, he, he's just a freak. <laughs> you know? Lustig, uh, Lustig <laughs> is, Lustig is to Larry Flint. Yes. As Lauder is to Al Goldstein. You know? I love, uh, th- this is a fantastic analogy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just because Al Goldstein was just a New York perv. Like, you yes. know, Screw Magazine is just like the answer of just like, Oh, yeah, no, porn is gross. Like, versus, uh, there's arguments to be made, whatever side you stand on for Hustler. And that's the best art, and that's also the best horror. Um, and that's where, like, yeah, again, Henelotter and that kind of world of, like, the New York kind of grimy street track, like, melt movies and any of that stuff just starts to feel like, oh, this is the parts of grindcore world that I, or grindcore, grindhouse world that I need to stay back. Same with grindcore. These are the parts <laughs> of, it's, uh, Head of Ladder is to porno grind, as William Lustig is to, uh, Napalm Death. Uh, um, uh, maybe, uh, maybe not quite Napalm Death. That uh, one's not, doesn't work as well. But, uh, <laughs> but let's say Discordance Axis. Yes, Discordance, that works great. But yeah, like, I just think, like, I don't know, that scene that whole section is so interesting, but it is out of all of it. It's the language of lefty that stresses me out the most. Um, yes. And like, what can I do? What, what, what are you? What, it can be good. Like whatever the wording she, like all of it is like, this is, this is the, this is the reason the word problematic was created. You know what Big I mean? Big time. And dude, there's so much there. Like, like everybody who has every interaction she has, throughout the entire movie is fucking horrible like yeah, lt the yeah. uh, uh the uh lt the uh the um the, the engineer yeah. is like you know spitting at things and like you know slamming mm-hmm. things around because like she's not like she's she not, won't like, get res- coffee with him she won't get coffee with him she's not receptive to his advances and like he's yeah he throws a fucking tantrum and like that's like the good guy. That's like the nice guy. Um, yeah. The guy who then, I always thought was Kinky Friedman growing up. I got confused. Because <laughs> um, I know Kinky Friedman does a voice in this, along with Joe Bob. Um, but uh, Kinky Friedman being a person I only completely knew growing up from Don Imus, because my dad listened to Imus, and Imus would never shut the fuck up about Kinky Friedman. Um, wow. Uh, but... Yeah, for years I always thought that guy. But yeah, I, I, LG is not a good guy. Like he's a he's another predator. Uh, yes, 
Yeah, him fucking lefty is we've already established is like you know yep. all fucked up. Her first interaction is with the uh, the two kids in the car, and like oh, they were right. just yeah. They're 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 harassing her. Uh, they won't get off the phone. Screaming bright lights, big titties. Um, yeah, and chop like, top, chop top. Yeah, like we're just now getting into the fucking Sawyer family. Like, uh, you know, Christ. like it's all bad. Um, yeah, it 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 doesn't work. I think that's ultimate. Like ultimately, like it 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 works in that I'm interested of reading someone else's analysis of it who's smarter than me. Yeah. But if it was on again, this is the parts that I would kind of skip over. Which is hard because it's also the part that, like, that whole section's ingrained in my brain because that little bit of scene is also what's used in Joe Dante's The Burbs, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But when... Of course. Fucking... When Tom Hanks is losing it, when Ray is losing it and he's flipping through the TV, they cut to that scene, which is very effective of when it's super quiet and Lefty's just sitting there. I mean, Stretch is just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, Leatherface comes bursting through. Um, yes. And so that scene is always in my brain, especially related to this, because I watch The Burbs on a regular, um, uh, being just one of the greatest movies that's ever existed. Uh, we, I just did touch upon Chop Top. I think it's time to get into a, a slight moment of Chop Top debate. I love uh, this. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, so, okay, I guess, uh, Berdan, make your case for Bill Mosley. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, everyone loves him, but I'm the outlier here. It's fine. I mean, I I love him. I think that it. I, th- I think that the Chop Top character kind of comes from out of nowhere. He's never really addressed as it would relate to the first TCM. Um, right. But I think you're. Uh, but obviously, like he does fill a missing gap from the first movie. Um, He's in theory and, the hitchhiker's brother. Exactly. Um, Maybe. <laughs> may, like, yeah, he's supposed to be a stand-in for that, and I believe you're supposed to think that Chop Top was in Nam or something along right, those lines. Right, because he wants to make Nam Land, Nam Land, Nam Land, yep. Nam Land, um, <laughs> and then you know, like he screams like Nam flashback, Nam flashback with. Um, <laughs> You know, he talks about the VA hospital. Uh, so why they have all their money? Apparently, the government paid him out for his his steel plate. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I just like you know, I've I've always found the character to be uh, to be endearing. Uh, you know, when he's first introduced and like scratching at the. Uh, uh, you know, you don't know it's a plate yet. You just like because right. he's wearing the wig. Um, it's Liam Gallagher outfit. Oh God, yes. Um, <laughs> and he's and like you know he's talking like he's like might really just kind of be a fan. You know he's not just a fan, but he's he's talking like he might be just like have like a little screw loose. Um, sure. Before he could be a Punisher. He could be he could. like a person that you meet on tour and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, uh, like, you know that there's like something sinister going on there. Uh, and, you know, because it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. like it's going to go somewhere. Um, but, you know, I, I love Bill Mosley's delivery. I love the fucking, you know, uh, music is my life in a Vita Nagata, like that, um, that, <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. Wrong, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like I like the idea of, 
like nom exploitation being kind of pulled into this and like like it's shitty it's exploitative but like the i like the idea that like yeah people just got back from the war like all fucked up and check out how fucked up this one is you know um I, he reminds I, me briefly, uh, like, because <laughs> I did a sketch once at UCB for my mod team that was literally just, I would just say what the title of it was when it started. And it was just, this next sketch is a nom vet having flashbacks while reading Teen Beat magazine. <laughs> and that's all it was, <laughs> was him reading about the Jonas Bros and screaming about his legs being gone <laughs> uh, and it was a little bit inspired by chop top being so annoying in his delivery yeah. i mean frank what is your feeling on chop top it feels like a david cross character from mr show yeah yeah um Fair. had that same kind of accent he does when he does the southern like um and i it this kind of we talked about this before but it, this kind of like veers into tromaville for me yes um, where it kind of has that feeling where I'm a little like get queasy with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I, I'm I'm on board for the like I said before I had mentioned like Gremlins too. Like I'm I'm cool with like having a satirical. Now there's these new characters and stuff, and you can have these all these fun new characters within a world that's satirical of you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre and have this fun. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm for the character, but the fact that this movie has a pacing problem, yes, and s- lingers too long on the same uh, beats, yeah, it, it's 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 too much of him. Where I feel like it's like small doses would go a long way with this character, yeah. Where I feel, like, I mean, you can't do small doses, of course, because it has to be huge. It has to be big because of the the nature of it. But that being said, like. The the where he's cornering her in that station, I felt like oh this could there are a lot of times in this movie where I was like this thing could be half the the length. Yep, it's mm-hmm. that's and it would be so much more effective. Ultimately, my biggest problem, I think. I mean, like as a shot, like this is from day one. Like again, the box made me nauseated. Uh, uh, him and I like the concept of the hot. Uh, coat hanger that he scrapes his <laughs> plate with uh, and he picks off little pieces and eats it but made me just so sick to my stomach as a kid and still does in that trauma movie sort of way and in that Hanalotter sort of way but yeah my big ba- I like it's a little bit like and he gets used in the zombie films where like I both weirdly respect we talked about it I respect Rob Zombie and like appreciate him talking about mm-hmm. his work, but the actual work I don't like. And he is, uh, you know, partly that they brought him in because he was in, I guess, a parody that I still have never seen called The Texas Chainsaw Manicurist that he made. Um, right. And he just kind of goes off and plays the hitchhiker character. But he just, yeah. he reminds me of, uh, he's like the Judd Apatow films of horror where it's just like or even the ghostbusters remake where it's just like can we cut down some of the ad libs and it's what you're saying there frank like (laughs) like because once especially we get into the sawyer household that is part of the tropes of 
uh, TCM is the kind of insane rambling style of each character. And I love Jim Cedo. I love Cook. Like, he's one of my favorite characters and was my favorite character, I think, actually, in the first one. Um, he's kind of cute. So, yes, he's kind of cute, I guess. <laughs> I just have a little bit of a TV crush on him. Uh, but I've always liked him as the reluctant killer, like, but also the one who is maybe the fucked up, most fucked up of them all because he's trying to hide that he isn't. Like, totally. especially in the first one when he's got Sally in the bag and then he bangs her on the head and kind of does that weird little laugh. Um and he just, he can't stomach killing. Uh, but once you get Chop Top talking, and then him talking, and then Leatherface just grunting, it just ends up being those bits where you're like, this Judd Apatow movie would be great if it was an hour and a half. Like, now we got like a two and a half hour movie. And a lot of those scenes, I was like, pick one. It's like the, be- it's like a- Bill Mosley is the stand-up who takes an improv class, Frank. Like, you know, like he, he, he's got to get all of his lines in. He came up with eight different lines uh, and he's going to say them. And Toby Hooper's enamored with them. So he left them all in. But then at the same time, when he's banging LG on the head with a hammer, I swear he says incoming mail twice. He does. So I was just yeah. like, Jesus Christ, man. Same joke. Like, cut it. I got to get out of here. I got to get this thing moving. Uh, See, I think I think of that like kind of like a swan song, though, where it's just a repetition. And the like the the amount of time that it goes on for is what kind of what what gives it its like it, it, like its strength and what makes it so nauseating. Uh, I I, I feel like if it was I feel like if we were to cut down on Chop Top's time, if we were to cut down particularly on that beating, but like on the whole intro uh, of Chopped Up up until that point, like, yeah, it would be like more palatable. But I kind of think the idea is to like make this unbearable and uncomfortable. Like and, and like but as that's far as the that goes, hard part, it yeah. feels different to me than in TCM where like that is part of it. Like in some ways, I'm like, we already are going to end up redoing the same thing with Grandpa that we did in the first TCM, where we right, talk about yes. how Grandpa is a one-shot killer, and then it's just like, yeah, he's not, which I love. <laughs> I love that concept because it plays into a theme that I actually love writing about in my own stuff, where it's like the myth of family. And I think that's the most interesting part of the, the, the Chainsaw kind of movies, is this idea of, like, they've created this myth that's self-destructive to themselves. Like, totally. Grandpa made up this bullshit about how he didn't stand by the ethics of fucking killing cows that way. But he also is kind of like, I know he's 137, but he's not a one-shot guy. But they're still holding on to He's a one-shot killer. Um, and so, you know, one, I just love that theme, but I love it better when they did it in TCM. And I, and I love it better when they do it again in TCM 2. It, there's just also just something about Bill's personality. It's just it's 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 just one of those like in all of this intellectualizing we're doing. It is like with comedy sometimes where it's just like yeah, some people I just don't know why I don't like. And there's something about the tone of his voice because it's the same as in Devil's Rejects and like any of Fair. the zombie movies. Beyond that, I have all these issues. It's like once he starts talking, I'm just like ugh, like Chop Top vibes again. Like I just I can't deal with it. Um, right. 
And I, I agree with like saying like there's there's a tension that you have to build and there's an uncomfortableness that you have to build with like how long like I think like when he first comes into the station that that lead up to where before uh, Leatherface comes out of that that great shot yeah uh, where he comes out of the record vault uh, is so good I love that part that's the totally. first part um, that part is beautiful oh man I I yeah that's such a good great shot and I think that like that leading up to that point i was on board for how long that took yeah because that was tense that was tense that was tense and i felt like that was effective but then later in the movie just there there's so many scenes that kind of what you said jeff where it felt like they're like oh let's just keep this in where it felt like a lot of ad lib or um or even just like hopper just like him going through the amusement park (laughs) and being like yeah send it back to hell and he's it's like okay yeah we get it we know and then it's not congruent with like what's kind of happening with uh, with her too, and it's just it feels like a mess. It feels like they were like enamored. Shots that are. It feels like they were enamored yeah. with Bill Mosley and with Hopper because they were like, "We got Dennis Hopper. That's crazy. <laughs> right, like yeah. he's gonna be in fucking River's Edge and Blue Velvet the same year. <laughs> like, th- like that's insane. But they're yeah. so like, it's like, what are we gonna cut Hopper? And then Mosley, I think they just kind of had a boner from him. And that's why it feels like the Judd apatow thing, where it's like, when you read interviews yeah. with Judd Apatow, when he's like, no, I just treat these comedy films like Cassavetti's films. And like, why right. can't we do that for comedy like we do for drama? And I'm just like, because it's not the same, man. Because it just more feels like, yeah, I like watching Paul Rudd go off for a long time, too. Like, you know, but... We, you can also have that in the YouTube out, out uh, outtakes. I, I feel like, to me, it felt like the second half of the movie felt like when, you know, when you were a kid and you're playing with action figures uh-huh. and it kind of like, there's no structure to it. And it's just kind of like you're repeating yourself and it's kind of just like long meandering. Uh, I, there's action, but it's just not, a, I don't know. I just felt like, especially at the ends where... Um, uh, he's uh, he's got her uh, cornered b- by the mom, yep. and he's there's a long. It's about a minute of him being like, "Get away from her! <laughs> you get away from her!" And it's like, yeah. Well, then why aren't you doing anything? You know what it is? You're just Frank? standing there saying, "Get away from her." It's a lot like, I love my kid, but it's when we're like, me and my kid are playing, and it reaches a certain point where I realize I don't have a great imagination when it comes to playing, and I'm just like. <laughs> I don't know, man. What else do you want me to do with these fucking hot, like, cars? Like, you, you're getting... And and that's also where, like, I do appreciate that Leatherface, you know, in the first one is essentially a baby, and this one has becoming a toddler into a teenager. Because, like, when he puts LG's face on Stretch's face, and, Ooh. like, that... And she's like, it's so wet. And then he keeps, like, not letting her touch the face and try to take it off. I like, that's a moment where I was like, that's what my kid does too. Like he's decided this is how it's going to work. And you got to ride this fucking play train. And I'm just like, I want to get off this play train. And I think that's part of it. It's like, it had some moments like that where it's just like you said, Frank, like I didn't have a great amount. Like my wife is always like, what toys did you play with? How did you play with toys? And I'm like, I watched movies and read comics. Like, and thought about stories. Like, I wasn't very good at making up stuff. And it's partly what you're talking about, Frank, is I would always get to the point where it's like, all right, what else do I do with He-Man? Like, you know, I got all these tools. I don't know where else to go with this fucking giant tunnel of lights 
and a skeleton that looks like fucking the uh, uh, Kinky Friedman, I think, again, maybe, from the end of uh, Dr. Strangelove, or is it a different actor? Either way. Uh, it's just like, it, there, it, those are those moments that both work and slog it down. That second mm-hmm. half is just a slog, I think. Like, it's hard. Yeah, it truly is. I also, I like the idea, of, like, what you kind of touched on there with uh, with the, uh, you know, the 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 skin mask, uh, LT skin mask, getting put on stretch, mm-hmm. as like yeah, this like child going to the parent and going like, okay, cool, here's like the next level, and yeah, obviously that's not really what's happened here, but like to think of of uh, of stretch as the parent just being like, fuck no, I've had enough now, like time <laughs> right. to go for like like time to go for a nap, but then like your kids like way more powerful powerful than you in actuality so he's mm-hmm. gonna make you wear the dead skin mask so yes yeah it's uh it's a There's whole layers. lot there yes. that's the beauty of it that's is the parts that i appreciate uh it's just yeah me too i i, I it, it i think i would appreciate some of this if some of it was just like cut down i think i don't you know like uh, bill mosley clearly triggers something in me um and i also do have a mental conflict because he is the source of Dog Will Hunt, which is from <laughs> the Primus. Primus. Yeah. Uh, Jerry was a race car <laughs> driver. Uh, yes. And Primus was my first lo- love musically. Um, and so, you know, for years I didn't know where the fuck Dog Will Hunt came from. And I remember being giddy. That That's one of the beauties of music. Like that happens. And I'm sure this happens to you, Burdan, but like skinny puppy and ministry and various like, you know, early 80s, mid 80s industrial records when I All finally time, figure man. out where the sample it's like, oh, some move. I'm like, oh, that was from Mausoleum or something. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's it's like I don't feel giddier and more like a child than when I realize like, oh, that was from that one part I forget about in Deep Red or whatever it is. Dude, uh, I just had that the other day. I was fucking like I was watching uh dead alive for like the first time in 20 years mm-hmm. and there was uh that like rich and creamy, creamy. that's the Just way, the way I, I like, like it, it. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, exactly yeah the, the human remains thing so i was like oh i was just listening God. to human remains yesterday um, I put them on a radio show because of that. Uh, the, it's uh, so good. <laughs> and there are other ones. That's another one. Like, there's another sample on that. Not to get too far off track, but that's just like, we came, is maybe it's just clockwork, but it's like, we came here to wreck everything and ruin your life. Or is it like for Romper Stomper or something? Um, yeah, right. But those are those moments where it's just like, it's a dream when that happens. But like, it is a real mental conflict that it's associated with one of these characters that I've decided is one of my least liked characters in movie history. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's with my first love is I mean, because immediately dude, after that, it should be Les Claypool going, go. <laughs> it's like, all right. So so if we talk about Skinny Puppy, right, pretty yeah. much like. Kevin Key's favorite movie is clearly The Tenant. And yes. like <laughs> that like it's sampled from here until the fucking end of time. Um and it's like yeah, you know, like like the shit works. Um Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I don't want to watch a Polanski movie again right now, you know, or <sighs> and like hopefully not really yeah. ever, you know? Yeah. Um so like I kind of just like 
suck it up in context in a song at this point. But like, yeah. And, you know, and this is also like an interesting thing doing having this talk now as opposed to having this talk 15 years ago because if somebody was to have said what i like if you or jay were to have said what i just said to me 15 years ago where it's like you know i i just can't fucking like i guess i can accept it in this song as something that's yeah. just kind of been there forever but like i can't watch that fucking movie again because like roman polanski i would have fucking rolled my eyes at you and yes. <laughs> you know um and so i'm grateful that we you know uh, that that we live where like in this time now and that like you know the idea behind this show and uh you know these conversations is to like yeah like go to these postmodern places and like see how far like we can analyze this and should analyze this like it's right it weirdly cool. is that the in that aspect, it's caught up where it's like, you know, it's something I think we would talk about is that, like, I always felt that, like, it's it's not just a justification for wanting to watch uh, quote-unquote trash cinema, never felt it was that way. But, like, that I, because I was like, well, that's uh, uh, the one of the biggest reflections of society and is able to be kind of analyzed even uh, it easier or not in a more interesting way than being like, let's just go over fucking, you know, every movie we've gone over a billion times. Um, uh, and especially now, like this is the first time where it's like, yeah, we're analyzing this stuff in this truly postmodern world of like a, a mental awakening. Um, yes. And, and, and every day, I think it is a good thing that I have to. And even in this week, I mean, you and me, Frank, we constantly like in our podcast are going through these like, all right, what line will I be able to continue to walk on and which line do I have to, like, now stop? Like, uh, uh, with whether it be Avenging Force or the Death Wish movies or, you know, like, at at what point? Because I've also never been the guy who completely has just been like, I just watched the most fucked up shit ever, and if you can't deal with it, then (laughs) fuck you. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I, I do think it, it both is hard because we don't want to completely deal with it, even as people who want to. But, like, you know, I'm doing a thing where I listen to every one of my records in alphabetical order uh, during this pandemic. And there are certainly ones I've uh, gotten on where I was just like, oh, how do I feel about this black metal band now? Like, you know, like what totally. level of national social or even uh, not to date it. But I was like, oh, man, am I going to dread getting to Nation of Ulysses now? Like. Yeah that Ian Savonis is doing something like, you know, like, and I didn't even go on a deep dive of it. That's almost some days why I'm like happy to be like, I don't know much about a lot of those Italian directors. Like, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, you yeah, know, yeah. like See, Argento's fucked up oh, enough. Boy. Don't take him away from me. John Carpenter, do not do anything that is going to ruin this for me. Cause I am going to freak out. Um, I mean, totally. Yeah. I, I, I can, I, I think it's important to wrestle with the fact that, like, you know, our tastes are whatever our tastes are. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I very much am was one of those people who, you know, will, uh, uh, you know, will watch like August Underground stuff, like to kind of sure. like say that I did, you know, uh, yes. like, you know, like what's the most extreme, like the furthest I can go. But with that, it's like, all right, like, why am I 
doing this? Am I doing this like to say that I did? Um, and like, you know, part of it is this like weird, like macho, like check out how far I went that I can like then, you know, tell people about. Um, and then part of it is this like, you know, kind of like fascination with like how extreme things can possibly get. And you have to kind of, a lot of the times the people making that stuff, like, all right, cool. Like, let's go to uh, the Virgin Spring last house on the left, right? So we've got like, we've got like Igmar Bergman and then Wes Craven, who by all accounts were, you know, decent human beings. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even like, you know, Miss 45, like, um, and, um, and, uh, you know, Day of the Woman, uh, I Spit on Your Grave. Like, Uh, like like Mirza, uh, Mir Zachariah is supposed to be like a, a really kind of like decent like all right guy but then you know it's like well what if they're they're not and yeah I I feel like it's okay to be a decent person and to like make really fucked up things but like you've got to fucking account for what those fucked up things are. And like, and if you like, you know, really dark shit, like, man, I could only imagine telling my fucking part, like trying to like, like justify to my partner, like why I like, um, you you know, fucking, um, last house on dead end street or, um, or, uh, what's it called? Yeah. Like day of the woman. Um, when it's like, oh, well, like, you know, he didn't really mean that. It's like, no, dude, this is like a man made this shit. And yes. like, no matter how decent of like how well you're intentioned, like it's not really cool to speak for a woman in that regard. And like, it's cool. Oh, which is challenged- why at this point, I think Fugazi's suggestion is a weird song. Um, right. <laughs> you know um, what I mean? Like, like that yeah. Fugazi is speaking for women in that song. Recently, I was just like, ugh, I don't know about this, Ian. This is a bad move. Um, it's all fucking... And, like, I'm rambling a bit here, but, like, I like the point I'm trying to, to make is, like, you're challenged now left and right by people who, like, it's not just, like, oh, okay, to, like, kind of, like, stick up your nose and like kind of like you know chuckle about being into this dark shit like you can be into this dark shit but like get ready to account for it and dude you should you know we all should um if you're watching a serbian film on a regular like figure out some shit man like and 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 be ready to explain it like i'm just picking one that i've like read the wikipedia and that was like one where i was like you know what maybe i've gone past the point where uh, you know because there is that point where you're like you have that like oh i'm gonna prove something it is a masculine thing and might as well be a weird steve albini thing like of like i'm gonna watch the most fucked up shit but then it's a lot like having a record collection where you're like oh now i'm in my 40s and nobody cares like I, I was waiting for the day that someone would be like, "Oh, you have this record," or the same as, "Oh, you've seen this movie," and that person is like, maybe there's two of those people, and I don't want to have the conversation with them because they like it for the wrong reason. In totally. my opinion, I mean, it's like the difference between like, yeah, a Serbian film, which like I've seen, and I remember like watching it and kind of like, getting ready to see it, and then afterwards and just being like, "What the fuck? Like, what was the point of that? Seeing that." Right. 
versus don't seeing... act like you're Pasolini or whatever. <laughs> exactly. So like, like versus seeing Sallow, which is mm-hmm. like you watch that. You only need to see it once, but like it's a commentary on fascism, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to take. It's supposed to bring your stomach to a really ugly place that you like don't like it's supposed to make you aware of that like this behavior is very bad and that it's something that needs to be watched out for versus like (laughs) versus like a serbian film where it's like it's straight up just shit for fucking 17 year old dudes to chuckle to like, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so and it, yeah. It's, it's hard to weed through that, but I think it's that's it's like it's it's the important work, honestly. Like it's like I do think it's some of the most important work to be done is to figure out like what are the lines for all of, and like where again it's it's that you want to be able to explain why angst is a good film. Totally, <laughs> like, you know what I mean. Like and why it's important, even though it can be really hard. To kind of mm-hmm. get through, and that, and and that, if you're acknowledging, uh, and you know, and that's parts of even this movie of TCM too. Of just like there are parts that's like sometimes there are just uh, there's something to be said for extremity for extremity's sake, but also that's why I can appreciate when it's like, oh, this is '86. Like I, I appreciate it a lot less right now. If they, I can, I. I I can do it for a 70s film. Italian movies especially, I can constantly just be like, ah, well, they were, I, I don't even know the time period that was going on. You know, it, it, it might as well be the film equivalent of uh, European bands trying to do like New York hardcore, where I'm like, I don't know, something got lost in the translation and they don't get it. And like, I'm not going to completely understand Italian, Italy in the 70s uh, versus... Right, right. You make some fucked up thing now, and I'm just like, yeah, I mean, what do you, what, listen to Joe Rogan? Like, chill the fuck out. Like, get out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, it, and so, again, like, that's where some of this stuff I can give some more leeway in TCM2. But it, it's now we're also watching it with a, um, you know, my therapist used to always say, it's like, just because you've got thoughts about killing somebody doesn't make you a serial killer. Totally. But you still should reckon with those thoughts. Like, those thoughts are important to listen to. And it's the same as whatever you put on film. And that's why, the especially the, like, Bubba's Got a Girlfriend section is like, okay, it's like kind of, it's dark black comedy, whatever. But, like, even if it's just your subconscious and you didn't know what you were going for, either Toby or the writer or both them together what did it translate into? Uh, and it translates into a kind of uncomfortable world that especially now I'm just like, I can't watch that scene. Maybe again, like it's just a, it's a bummer. Um, Definitely. Uh, in a different way than just Bill Mosley's annoying to me. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I think we're probably getting close to like, we should kind of wrap up our thoughts on a uh, TCM two. Do you, you think so, Frank? Yeah, I just, Berdan, I just want to hear more of your thoughts of just like, you know, if there's anything we didn't cover. Definitely. Or uh, anything that you like overall, the feelings of the film, um, yeah, that you wanted to discuss. Let's see. Um, No, I think that we kind of touched on all of it. We, uh, because like, and I think that we're largely in line with each other in that like, there are some like really endearing moments in the beginning um and then there's like it kind of starts to drag around the halfway mark uh 
some in some ways a very positive uncomfortable in some ways a very like just kind of lazy uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that by the end of the movie um or by like the three-quarter mark it just kind of repeats itself um you know um I like a lot of the scenes where it's just kind of like repeating itself. Like I think that the, uh, that the scene where like LT gets skinned um, and then like, it like exists afterwards and like (laughs) goes to like, you know, goes, goes to like cut the rope on stretch. Like I, I think that's really effective. Like there, there's definitely good things about it, but like overall, like the vibes just kind of whatever. And, you know, I, I still really like this movie, um, yeah. but I like it way more as like a time and place thing. And I, you know, I couldn't see, you know, somebody watching it for the first time in 2020, like at the same age that I saw it for when, you know, when, when I was a kid having the same kind of takeaway. And I think that that's good, you know, um, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to like... I'm not going to get up in arms about things as subjective as taste and as important as like, like social movements and political awareness. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm all for re uh, rethinking this movie, contextualizing it and like saying like, yeah, parts of it kind of fucking rough, kind of fucking not cool. Other parts of it, pretty effective um even the effective parts kind of not cool um but i'll watch it again i'm sure within the next year uh because <laughs> i'm a piece of shit and a creature of habit so whatever and ultimately you think if rob zombie did a remake of it it would be uh, tasteful and would totally work in the end <laughs> you know i think that a thing that i really like like about this and i think the reason why i why I loved it to begin with. And I remember the first time I ever spoke to our mutual friend, uh, Adam Fuchs was, mm-hmm. um, was trying to justify this movie to him over the phone. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry, Jerry and I had just watched it and they, had, they, they talked and, uh, he's like, my brother hates it. And so I got on the phone with him and like kind of yelled about TCM too. But the reason that it works is because it's such a departure from the first one and because it does not give you what it's supposed like, like it doesn't give you what you want. It doesn't give you yes. what it's supposed to be. And it's, it's a beautiful fuck you in that regard. So it works. Um, mm-hmm. but like it's, yeah, it's problematic as fuck, uh, as so many <laughs> other things, you know, as the, yeah. like, as three quarters of the things that I fucking listen to and watch and read are, you know, and yeah. you know, whatever, 40 year old man. That's the beauty I, of life. Yes. Uh, yeah. Frank, do you have any, uh, final thoughts on? Yeah. I mean, I, I really loved, uh, the first half of the movie and I felt like it was a tone and it was a pace that I, th- I felt like after the, the radio station on, it lost its way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because there was a tone and there was a pace and there was, um, I was really enjoying the hell out of it. And then it just kind of meandered for me. And I felt like you have this, uh, set piece of the abandoned, um, you know, fun house or whatever this, this, uh, amusement park and you're using none of it. Right. 
Um, and like, not to, I'm not going to compare because it's a completely different movie, but even like, and I know there's been criticism of the execution on this, but like with the birds of prey movie that just came out this year, you know, they're going to this abandoned fun house and they're using the props to fight and stuff. And it's got some fun moments in it. And I felt like for as kind of tongue in cheek, cheek satire that this movie is going for, I would like to use some of that. I know watching this movie, I, I had the same reaction I did. I loved uh, new year's evil, but yeah. Uh, after watching New Year's Evil, I was like, I think I want to take a stab at rewriting this. <laughs> yeah, fair. With totally. with the comedy lens of our experience, yes. and like I, I after re, I mean, I loved uh, sections of this movie, and after watching it, I was like, I think I want to rewrite Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, <laughs> to make it to make it more of a like Gremlins to uh, Return of the Living Dead type of right. fun satire. Totally. Just adjusting the the second half uh, to be more in the tone that I loved in the first half. Yeah, to live up um, to the promise of the first half. Fair. Yeah, I mean, but that being said, I, I do I do enjoy. Uh, I think overall, I I enjoy enough of it that I would uh, I could like uh, watch it again and talk about it. But uh, again, like the pacing kind of threw me off in that second half. But I loved the uh, soundtrack too. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> It's very like yeah. it's very like primitive, uh, yes. Uh, like it, and and I guess Toby did half of it with someone else, but like oh sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, I didn't mean the score. The score is kind of uh, it kind of dates it, but I meant like the the music. Oh, oh that's yeah, in the, yeah. Like I mean, yeah. it's got fucking Lords of the New Church, Oingo Boingo, exactly. Uh, the, yeah, Oingo Boingo. I was just I wrote that down, being like, oh hell yeah, Oingo Boingo. I always <laughs> like, appreciate so well this part. I always appreciate when the cramps show up, even though I don't really like the cramps. Uh, see, I like the cramps. Yeah, I, I yeah. yeah. But like also that weird uh, slow reggae Paul Simon song that Stuart Copeland sings oh, during the right. credits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of fun elements in this movie, and I. I I mean, after watching it, though, I was like, yeah, Toby Hooper definitely didn't direct Poltergeist. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, that new documentary uh, on 80s horror, they kind of have a whole section on that. And, like, everyone is just like, yeah, there's, like, one scene that feels like Toby Hooper in Poltergeist. Right. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that being said, there's, like, elements of this movie that I really love. And... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't outright hate it. I think I was just kind of like. I think it also just where where I was mentally yesterday mm -hmm. too, or this weekend, where I was just like, can we just move this along? <laughs> right. So maybe that's on me. But um, no. But I think that's. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of it. Like in some ways, like you know, we. I started this saying we were going to have three differing opinions, and honestly, I think what we achieved today is the opposite of the internet where we actually had a conversation and all kind of like heard each other and also heard the pluses and the minuses that we saw in oh, this yeah. movie. I think, yeah, uh, I agree. Which is beautiful. Um, you know, because I, I think like probably Burdan came in a little bit hot and heavy of loving it uh, and you came in hot and heavy of hating and I was kind of middle of the road uh, and I've like moved even a little bit more into appreciating the parts I didn't think I appreciated. Um, oh, yeah, same here. I just think that's it. there was something like watching it, and because, partly because we were going to talk to you, Berdan, like, I was, like, thinking about this in relation to, like, I think also because there's a lot of music references in my brain related to it, but, like, in relation to punk and hardcore, where it's, like, you know, there is such a weight on the on the chainsaw 
kind of movies like it, like just like any fan loved series mm-hmm. um and it's like so many debates could be had of like the merits of like oh but two betrayed this from one and this and that and it's all this stuff that much like in punk and hardcore i don't think the band is thinking about and i don't think toby was like i can't betray the fans belief in what are the important artistic elements of one um and that's what i do appreciate is that like this movie is like kind of a big fuck you totally Um, in the best way kind of possible and in the worst ways possible and like i don't know in some ways not to make but like uh, as opposed to the beautiful art that TCM one is, I think like this is uh, uh, the opposite where it's beautiful in that it doesn't work sometimes at all. And then other times works to the point where again, I feel like I could write a fucking graduate thesis on big sections of this and about how it plays into America and fucking Americanism, jingoism and fucking like uh, the feminist allegories. And like, if you could just kind of keep going. Uh, And I think that's kind of beautiful. And as a movie that I will probably watch parts of it uh, again in the next year or two, it's also like, Oh, if I saw this poster, I would buy it immediately. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I, I would just like, yeah, this would be part of my collection. What a beauty it is. Um, the documentary, too, is on YouTube. On TCM2? Yeah. Oh, I'm watching that then tonight. That'll be a thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I wanted, I started it, but I couldn't, it got so late that I uh, wasn't able to stay up as late as I wanted to to watch it. And I was kind of bummed I ran out of time. But yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that that documentary because it, I mean, I'm fascinated by this movie, even though I didn't love it. I'm I'm still fascinated by it. Well, it's also like I think that what's also fascinating, just the, maybe my last thought is like one of the things with Texas Chainsaw One is like you almost don't need to talk about it anymore. It's like if someone's talking about Sabbath or like Led Zeppelin, and you're <laughs> or, or, or honestly. <laughs> any punk documentary where like you got to understand what the sex pistols were like and i'm like yeah man i get it like i'm still not going to listen to the ramones uh i don't know what to tell you Boo. Uh, yeah i know this is one <laughs> of my garlock pay to the ass opinions but uh but like i you know there i i've read plenty of books on tcm1 like I, if i if i see a horror documentary i'm gonna know what they say already uh, uh there is something also just interesting to me that like this is the uh, TCM two is the most important other movie in that. Like, like we were talking about with three is just kind of a movie. Like yeah. the three is yeah. just when the studios were just like, we got to keep making Leatherface movies. Uh, yeah, sure. The Sawyer clan can be whatever. Like it's whoever's there. Vigo Mortensen. Sure. He's a relative. Maybe who cares? All we need is Leatherface, but like yeah. two, the, the brothers got a lot cuter. Yeah, exactly. Like, we know he smells because he hung out with Exine Cervenka for too long. Uh, but uh, he's much cuter. But uh, yeah, I just think like there, there's I, I appreciate that there's room and it's actually important to kind of analyze TCM2 in both horror and kind of in canon, like in general. Uh, totally. It's kind of it's kind of uh, gutsy to take a a, a a a very iconic figure like leather Leatherface, and then turn him into Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like that. Where all of a sudden he's kind of sympathetic and he has this good side and he's kind of this dumb, you know, you know, just sack of potatoes that maybe has a heart. Yeah. 
it is it's it it's it's you know again this is why i love talk about this stuff because there are things that like subconsciously i was like oh i could think about this for a long time but like what am I going to do? Like, uh, bother my wife with another conversation about this shit? Like, honestly, you know? like uh, She puts up with enough of my bullshit. Uh, I mean, she's literally watching a four-hour documentary on 80s horror. Um, uh, but, you know, I-, I think, like, in this analyzation, we are realizing, like, the, I don't know, the layers to it. There are layers, and there are layers that are worth getting into. And I think we got into them. I think we did it all, <laughs> personally. Good job. Um, Berdan, this is the point of the uh, podcast where uh, we do our arbitrary rating. Uh, that I'm not going to explain that much, but out of 10 canons, how canon is this film to canon films to you? Ooh. Uh, see, I would, <laughs> give, I would give this... Uh, a solid five, and let me explain why. Uh, well, the main reason why is because it's a cop out uh, for me to say five, and yes. uh, you know it's not going too far one way or too far the other. When I think canon films, I think, uh, you know, I think Masters of the Universe and Death Wish Three. You know, uh, yes. I, I think of, I think that those are ten. You know, where I think that. If this was just like an MGM thing, uh, it would still make sense and it would still work. You know, Um, I think that this is like a decent movie, you know, for uh, for what it's worth and for for where it stands. So I yeah, like as a canon movie, I think it's like five. But like as like a movie of the in like the overall lexicon of like uh you know exploitation movies and horror movies uh uh in particular horror comedies i'd say it's like eight you know yeah i like that rating frank what do you think yeah i think uh as far as the canon canon goes um I'm yeah, I'm about a about a four or five mm-hmm. yeah because i think the same thing like it has the elements of a canon film but it's just not you know, the horror aspect, I think kind of like it lives in its own kind of universe. Um, yeah, that's, that's about where I'm at. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a 4.5. I'll split the difference just cause I agree. You know what the, it's, it's the thing where like, I realized in all of our talking, we didn't ever once mention the canon stink, uh, because it's just kind of not there. It, it's, it's, as you said, Bredan, it's an MGM movie, really. Like, totally. it, doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like a canon film. Yeah. There's not one. And there was only one ADR I moment that stood out to me. I was just say, there was, <laughs> we never mentioned an ADR moment from you, Frank, uh, which, uh, you know, usually is almost half of our podcast is the amount of shitty ADR that happens. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it is a strong, just like 4.5 when we're going to canon. Uh, well, Bredan, this was, fantastic uh I had so much fun a fantastic Thank conversation um is where can uh where can people find you i believe uh your band uniform has a new record coming out soon we do uh september 11th a uh, new record called shame um and yeah we're um we're not touring that's for sure um, yeah. but sorry um, buddy <laughs> uh whatever it's fine i'm enjoying my time at home and um yeah you can see us Find us on the usual spots, you know, uh, uh, 
Bandcamp, Apple Music. I trying not to say Spotify, but I'm going to say Spotify. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you could go to the Sacred Bones website and buy our record if you uh, or our records if you feel so inclined. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be at home uh, watching TV and hanging out with my dog for the foreseeable future. <laughs> That is fantastic. Can I also say, I and I think for people to look at, I appreciate, I think you've been doing it on the Uniform Instagram page, but um, uh, I don't know how you've been wording it, but the examples of like kind of inspiration for the album. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, me. I, I love that. It actually has been where I was just like, oh, I actually don't know Scum. Uh, oh, wow. Like it's just one, I know, I, that's it's one of those like, there's been a couple where I've been like, oh, wow, Berdan, like, that's the beauty of this is there will be that movie where I'm like, how did I not see scum at some point? But I thought your write up was really great. And then I'm like, great, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Of course, it's wonderful. But good references to kind of the inspiration. I think it, I, you're doing a great job on those write ups. And I love that. Thank you. Um, uh, and I think people should check that out. And I'm probably going to try to watch scum tonight. Uh, I think well worth YouTube. your time. It's, I, yeah, I think that's it's on YouTube. I I know a lot of the Alan Clark movies are on uh, Amazon Prime, not to give right. Amazon any uh, sure, free advertising, but it's there. But it's there and, uh, and I didn't realize that the, who's that Ray, who's the main actor in Scum? Not to get uh -oh. too digress, but. Dear fucking uh, Lord, uh, Ray, Ray, Ray Winston, because I was just rewatching The Proposition. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, like fucking Ray Winston. What am I doing not watching Scum? Uh, uh, either way. Uh, so. Everyone should check out uh, the new uniform when it comes out. You've got a great new video that is out now. Uh, for us, reach us, uh, reach out to us at the Canon Canon at Instagram, at Twitter, and at gmail.com. Uh, one N in the first one. And uh, yeah, again, the anything one. you got to say to us. What? For two ends, oh my God, <laughs> I'm never going to get this right, Frank. Two ends in the first end. Canon. Ugh, I'm tired. <laughs> That's it's right. so hot. Yeah, first My canon is, is with two ends. Second canon is with one end. Why do I do it? Why do I try to do it, Frank? Why don't I let you just do it? You're smarter than well, I am. Well, we, we can also uh -huh. just, we've mentioned it before, but also just, again, uh, pick up Austin Trunick's uh, The Canon Film Guide, Volume 1, 1980 through 1984. Yes. We get no kickback on it, but man, it's a really cool book. If you're into Canon films, my Canon Canon bro gifted me that the Canon Canon bro being Frank. I appreciate it. I'm so it's a great book. Um, uh, so check that out. And then, yeah, check out uh, the rest of our episodes, like rate review and all that good stuff, please. Uh, and until next time, my name is Jeff Garlock and I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is the, the Canon Canon. You got one choice, boy. Sex with the saw.